The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind. With Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. You're listening to the Wild 7 Podcast Network. Listen different. Hello, my friends. This is Alex Rogers, and I'm wishing all the mothers a happy Mother's Day. And uh, what you're about to hear is another interview between my mama and I. And uh, I gotta say, folks, I believe, just saying very humbly here, that I suck as an interviewer. (laughs) I just truly, honestly believe that I need some practice interviewing. In my opinion, I talk way too much during this. I interject far too frequently. Now, mind you, my mother comes out smelling like a rose, as we say. She is providing wonderful uh, bits of information and storytelling, if you can get past the guy who won't stop talking. This is also to say thank you very much, Mom, for showing up on the program, and next year, I'm going to do a lot more listening. In the mean, in between, everybody, please give it up for my dear mama. In the words of Alex Rogers. Episode 52, El Dia de la Mamá 2. Mom, welcome to the show again. It's so great to have you down here in Los Angeles. Yes, it's nice to be back. Yeah. Uh, a while. It's been almost a year since I was here. Exactly. So. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, you know, the, one of the big reasons I brought you here is because it is indeed Mother's Day. 
And uh, one thing we were both talking about, and it's kind of, it's almost a bonehead observation, but it is true. You don't have a mother's day without a mother. And said mother ain't around unless she has a mother. And as some of you out there might be able to relate, mothers sometimes are blood related. They're directly the portal to your existence, mother. And then oftentimes we meet others who become mothers. And they are just as appropriate and functioning as a blood mother might be. In fact, sometimes in some situations they might be even more so. But what's interesting, mom, is that you have a background where you grew up with two strong motherly influences, one being your blood mother and the other one being your stepmother. Right. I did. Yeah. So let's let's get into uh, some of those origins. First of all, the one who I really got to know, of course, because she partially raised me uh, growing up, was your dear mother, mm-hmm. Valentine. Yes. And that's, and of course, we called her Val growing up. And Valentine, I wanted to get into her story a bit because, you know, sometimes it's pretty miraculous that any of us even are here. And usually it's the result of some ancestor just kind of <laughs> skirting by death a couple times and, and, and being around long enough to, you know, ha- have, have their succession in life. So as I recall, and what you've told me, Val had a little bit of a sort of rocky, well, I mean, she was sort of a survivor in terms of birth. Well, right. My mother's father died before she was born by about two months. Right. This is after my mother, my grandmother, had had two stillborn children. Yeah. And then my mother was the third, and her father, who was named Valentine, Mm -hmm. uh, died, I think, of a heart issue. uh, When he wasn't all that old, and my mother was still two months from being born. So when she was, she was named after her father. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, she was, of course, an only child because yeah, he was gone. And my grandmother never remarried. Mm-hmm. Uh, she lived a very happy and independent life afterward. Mm-hmm. You're right. So my mother was yeah raised as a as an only child in Carmel back in the twenties. Right, because she was born in 1915. She was, right, she was born in Los Angeles. Oh, I didn't ever knew that. Yeah, she was. Oh, wow. But they moved, she and her mother and her grandmother moved to Carmel in 1919. Mm-hmm. Okay, got and you. So she's still yeah, quite she was very the little young, one. And they all sort of, it was a you know, very small village then and uh, full of some, some eccentric people. And uh, the houses, of course, didn't, well, most of them didn't have electricity. And right. the streets weren't paved. That yes, well, I've Religion I've seen some photos. So I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but I've seen some photos of Val as a little girl playing in the backyards, the basically the woods of yeah. Carmel. Because at this point, was, as you say, there's we don't have there paved that many houses, and there were no paved roads. And yeah, amazing. my mom did, and she kind of rattled around on her own. Um, I I don't know that she she went to school. She had school friends. There was a little school in the village, but right. Um, I do think she was, she always said she was kind of a lonely kid. 
the reason I wanted to talk about that especially is that for those of for those of you, which is most of you who do not know my grandmother, one thing that was remarkable about my mom's mom, my grandmother, is that she was a magnet for social life, considering she says she had mm-hmm. a lonely existence as a child. Certainly by the time she was a mother and she was part of the Carmel Highlands community that my mom was lucky to therefore grow up in, that I was lucky to therefore grow up in, that, and certainly when I was growing up, the funny thing about where we grew up in the Carmel Highlands is that both she and her neighbor, Cynthia, who quite honestly for me, talk about like, you know, you can have your blood grandmother and then you can have your familiar like grandmother who who quite honestly Val's but this is also Val's best friend you can imagine that these are two women who knew each other as girls I think like right like even as children they knew mm-hmm. each other but then you're having children concurrently you're both um surviving your past husbands with various different stories depending on who you're married with and you are um neighbors and having dinner a few times a week and so Cynthia was also um, instrumental, certainly to me as a uh, as a grandmother. And but why did I mention Cynthia other than just to give some context of like the, these older times in Carmel? Uh, I think you said you were thinking about photographs you've seen. The, oh yeah, that's you. And I just remember now it's because um, both Cynthia and Val became sort of these hubs for p- visitors. And the thing that's funny about where we grew up, and I, I, I you know, you never saw these women at least visibly bothered by it, but people would just show up and, and open your door and just come on. Hi, how are you? No, come on in. Come on. It's great. But like, I, I knew people over the course of my relationship with my grandmother who were older. They were, they're like, you know, maybe people in their twenties, thirties, forties. And they certainly found a kinship with her where they felt, correct me if I'm wrong, mom, but they felt like, she was kind of a mother for many. Yes. It's true. My mom, I think having not grown up in a um, family with lots of, with siblings and my mother uh, and who never even held a baby, she told me until she was um, in college and Cynthia, her good friend who had children married early and had children early. My mother ha- held her her first baby when she was, I don't know, 21 or something. Oh, wow. And she said she held the baby like, you know, you'd hold a big heavy log or right. something. Right, I mean, yeah. she didn't know what to do. But my mom ended up being a really great mother, natural mother. Absolutely. And a very loving and warm person. And it's true, she acquired all kinds of um, sort of surrogate children or people who just were really fond of her. And, and young people throughout her life, she always enjoyed young people or even when she was 90 she would look at you if you're 60 and that's a young person so she had a wide variety of friends and so she may have had a lonely beginning but she certainly didn't have a you know her adulthood was I yeah I I love the turnaround of that because it really goes to show that you can live different lives in your life and I think my mom had a really delineated um she lived to be 90, and I think the first 45 years of her life were one kind of thing, which was mm. growing up and then being a mother to, to young children. Right. 
and being married and then being divorced. And I think the second 45 years is when she really came into her own with her running her own household and developing her own interests and really enjoying her children as they grew up. I know she always enjoyed her adult children. Something that's interesting about both Val and Cynthia. Now, okay, well, here's the the difference. When I was a child, I always, I got to say, Val was always so soft and warm and accommodating and sweet to me. Cynthia was someone who I always liked her, but you got the, fe- she was a little scary when I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> and because, I mean, this also is a, a matriarch who it runs this entire institute of various lodgings and also just nature that's just around you. So she just, you know, she's, she's, she's the boss. And also I think she's of that old school, like we don't really quite, uh, she wasn't locked up. Like we don't talk about our feelings, but we don't talk about our feelings, but we're also not, cold people kind of thing. And anyway, I, I noticed that as I got a bit older, Cynthia warmed up a yeah. bit to me. Yeah. And it is... I think we were all a little bit afraid of Cynthia when we were children. <laughs> well, you too, right? Yeah, me too. Yeah. And, um, but, of course, she was absolutely marvelous. And it is yeah. true. I think she really in, enjoyed, you know, I think both of them really enjoyed children when when you got to the point where you could have interesting conversations with them right um so absolutely and um and so your mother had you relatively speaking late in life right she did i was the the youngest of four and right uh, she was heading to pretty near to 40 and um right in fact, was she my age, 38, she was when 30, she had you? I think she was 38, yes, wow. when I was born. And, yeah. uh, you know, at the time that, well, I don't know, at the time women had a lot of children. So a lot, it, wasn't, it wasn't so uncommon to have your first child quite early. Right. Like her friend Cynthia had a child at 20. Right. And her last child at 40. Wow, a 20-year so period of having and children. I yeah, several families where there was quite a long span. Yeah, Now it's much more likely that you're going to have one, two, or sometimes three children. But it's just, these were big families back in the 50s. Right. As my mother said, because um, women, women's choices were pretty limited. And my mom was a college-educated um, journalist and writer. Right. But she was not employed. She was a housewife. And she said, you know, after your latest child got to be about three, you're sort of at loose ends. Right. Another baby. Ah. You know. Interesting. Right. (laughs) (laughs) That'll solve it. (laughs) And I guess it seems like it was so much less of a financial undertaking to do that. It um, does seem like it gets more and more expensive it was pretty, to have kids. And the way kids. we grew up, which was right. pretty lo- uh, bohemian and uh, no creature, I mean, not no. there were no fancy amenities, you know. And, Correct. And life was cheaper. There was no technology to buy. And, right. Um, well, there were fewer expectations of your physical, you know, what you'd have in a house. We all shared bedrooms. That was just common. Well, even this morning making breakfast and my mom pointed out that the microwave currently in my house is on its last <laughs> leg and yet we also she did comment you told me growing up oh there was no no there's no, no microwave no not microwave. in the not in the early I mean, 60s not no, no. I mean, we had a we had a telephone 
and a party line, I might add. So it wasn't just, you know, you could pick up the phone and find the other people who had that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, number, uh, or not had the number, but shared the line. You, I used to listen in on their conversations. but Of so, course, right. Yeah, you know, it was pretty basic. But, of course, yes. we knew no different, so it didn't make any difference. No, wait, tell me a bit about that, when you would listen in on conversations. Well, I never really <laughs> heard anything, you know, really. But what was your strategy? Worried. You couldn't just... Well, rip I'd that lift, phone up. Yeah, yeah, you'd have to lift, lift it, up. it up. And then, you know, my mother always said, now, you you know, that's eavesdropping. So yes. so I would do it surreptitiously. Right. And I never heard much. Sure. That, you know, well, no. also, when you're a child, so much adult talk is yeah. such gobbledygook. You don't really yeah. know what's going on. But, yeah, but that is and funny. I, know, how I you... remember very rarely, because a lot of I, a lot of people had party lines then. If yeah. you really had an emergency, it was kosher to say, I'm sorry to break in on your conversation, but... Could you hang up because I have an urgent call I have to make? Oh wow! I mean, Interesting. Really ha- I mean, sure. Otherwise, you just had to be polite and patient and <laughs> right. and wait till the line was free. Wow! Just I feel like that's inconceivable to new generations today. It is. It's just it like, is. wait, what do you mean sharing a line? I know. Like, yeah, all of these things. Anyway, but it was, but a microwave was was fancy back then. Well, like if you, I don't think a microwave. Honestly, I don't know. Well, I don't mean the I don't mean the actual object, but I mean yeah. getting one was like a status, maybe or well, or something. I don't or, even think they were they were available back in my childhood. As I oh, was wow. telling you today, the oh. first one we ever had, I was uh, pushing. Thirty, and I'm pushing seventy now. So, <laughs> yeah. um, and I think that was pretty much in the early '80s. Is pretty much when they began. Interesting, because everyone starts getting uh, less fit about the <laughs> '80s onwards. I've no the idea. Thing that we didn't have, and and this is not usual. Most families, I think, in the '50s were getting televisions. Ah, but right. We never had one because, well. I don't think it was my mother disapproved, but we lived in an area where you, we had no reception. In those days, you had to have an air, you know an antenna or an aerial. And right. if, you, if you were in the mountains or where we were, sort of in a remote area, there just wasn't any reception. So How? we never had... CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I never had a television until I was an adult. Right. Now, also, 
you did get your TV on as a child, but you'd have to go across yeah. the highway. Yes. My my good friend lived further up the hill. Therefore, right. with her family managed to get a rather snowy black and white. <laughs> black and white, no less. Oh, yeah. So, because when I was a kid, I was getting deep into Star Trek. Yeah. And you told me, well, check this out. I was I, watching those episodes as they were airing. Right. But you did say, fun fact, however, because that show is, of course, quite psychedelically yeah. color, but not on the TV you were watching. No. <laughs> I used to go up uh, across the street and on Friday nights nice. uh, for two. Uh, we, you my, remember the nights that it would air? Friday night. And we would, see, we would see The Man from Uncle. Oh, nice. And we would see Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And I think there was another show. Which was a called Wild Wild West. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I think yeah. those were the only three things I ever saw. And my friend and I would, you know, kind of it yeah. was it would and also Decipher. the television was about as big as a you know it was small small TV right. But you know what's funny is you don't. You know what's funny about small TVs is we actually nowadays well, when you're a cool kid you're watching stuff on your um, phone. Which, which is even Absolutely. smaller. <laughs> and you know, even when we got a TV, and you'll, and you'll yes. remember this, Alex, when you were a kid, we never got one that was bigger than a 13-inch. Never. No. And I, ne- and I never felt like I was missing no. out. You just, no. that's what it is. No, no, no. And Most of now, my life has been a small I mean, screen. Even now, yeah. I always talk about, we have a big TV. I think it's a 27-inch. Right, right. <laughs> it's not, Right. You've never done a flat screen on the wall? No, no, no. It is a flat. Oh, yeah. Well, oh, you do have, right. We but have the, a flat screen, but it isn't on the wall. I don't want it on the wall. No. I don't want it to be the looming presence in the room. Dominating your yeah. living room. No. Well, luckily, you. My TV is hidden discreetly under a <laughs> Indian bedspread. <laughs> that is true. It is. It is. Like, like uh, all great things in this family usually books take precedence over any <laughs> yeah. technology now let's let's get yeah. back to some yeah. of that when you were you were I, I forget if we talked about this on the last mother's day episode but we'll just brush against it yeah. again it's not so much about mothers but I, just because we're talking about cool things to do you i believe told me that you kind of got into reading because it was sort of yeah, around we, you we did talk about this i know okay okay was, that's right know, yeah it, it was that was we had tons of books around and i just yeah just it. got into that and now val obviously was a she was a great reader huge reader. my father yeah everyone was and yeah so it was just kind of so it was kind of encouraged i i have this image in my okay w- would you ever come back and tell val what you saw on tv and like relay to her like well, any star trek episodes or no, anything or no so. no okay <laughs> i don't know if you were like me where i come to you and tell you of that and you so very uh, graciously sort of <laughs> half listen to it yeah i happen yeah. to remember that when you were a kid and my, and my mother would come to our house and yeah. babysit you i believe you and she were watching and a modern or more modern version or iteration well, of Star Trek. Correct. So when the Star Trek. when Star Trek the Next Generation came out, you nerds at home are about to have a conniption. Relax. Um, but yeah, Star Trek. We Val and I would watch Star Trek the Next Generation. What I remember the most is that every time Jean Luc Picard yeah. would show up, uh, Val would go, "Oh, that." Patrick Stewart is just so handsome. And I agree with her. Oh yeah. And even now, he's an old an old guy and hey. 
I'm an old girl, so I still think he's handsome. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's <laughs> he, he's he's quite wonderful. In fact, when I saw him and Ian McKellen on stage yeah. together doing Waiting for Godot, the funny thing is that Ian McKellen played the part like he really looked like a homeless guy who wandered onto stage. His voice was also intentionally a little lower for stage volume. You had to almost kind of lean in a little. Mm-hmm. But then when Patrick Stewart came out, it was Patrick Stewart. And he's like, I am a homeless man and I speak like this. <laughs> you know, speaking of books, uh, yeah. and because we're talking about, I think we're at least trying to talk about my mom. Yes, yes, uh, yeah. <laughs> in a very roundabout way, uh, yes. She, she, well, my grand, her mother had, um, at a, thought that the Oz books were terrible. That she really and it disapproved of them. They were I, I don't know for exactly what reason, either they weren't classics or because they were new-ish. Sure, and, at that point, or, yeah. Uh, or maybe she didn't think they were well-written. But she it didn't allow my mother to read the Wizard of Oz books. Interesting. Which is, to me is really bizarre because my feeling is you let your ki- kids read anything. Yes. And then they'll... but. So, of course, for my mom, uh, I think eventually she snuck them somehow. Right. But we, she never told us that we couldn't read something. True, true, <laughs> and true. Even I, who had to read every single Nancy Drew that ever came out, my, my mother didn't have any problem with that. Uh, well, in comic books, which we read voluminously. Right. And she, she had no problem with that either. I don't... My, my grandmother was more... Um, uh, more sort of aesthetically rigid as she sure and, and also she was completely in not in not entirely in the real i mean she was in this very intellectual world just way up there well it not, she always kind of struck me as this sort of like witch lady sorceress lady well, who, she was who whole, all yeah into this um Celtic. and this is by the way folks we're talking about val's mother about right val's now mother, susan. susan yeah who was um very intellectual and sort of thwarted because she was a Victorian. She was born in, this is amazing to me, my grandmother was born in 1877. Oh, wow. She wasn't that much past the Civil War. No. And and the generations in our family are long. My grandmother was right. 40 when she had my mom. My mom was 38 when she had me. So wow, my right. grandmother was born a long time ago. Wow, you're and right. at the time, she was when she was growing up, she was, desperate to go to college but her father said <sighs> women don't know women do not go to college but she oh turned out to be a voracious reader and what yes. they call an autodidact where you basically teach yourself and what she was interested in was philosophy and literature and um and as it turns out mythology or and she became actually quite an expert on old irish tales uh-huh. A lot of these tales are really old, pre-Celtic. Wow. And she um, had a fabulous voice, and she sort of developed this shtick of reciting Irish poetry. Wow. And she sometimes did it for adults, and she sometimes did it for school children. There's and a photo in yeah. your home in the hallway yeah, where she's sitting and holding lots of children yes. with with you know as a captive audience, or or maybe they're well, like, well, when do we get to leave? This, I don't. This was a, 
for an article in Life magazine, and I have a feeling those kids were said, look really fascinated R- by these R- tales. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, they might not have been so fascinating for, for kids in the 50s. Of course, but right. anyway, she yeah. did that. And, and um, she also had kind of an occult thing, and it was, it was a big, in the beginning part of the last century, in the 20s and 30s, there's a whole lot of, um, like, um, what was it called? You know, seances and Ouija board and all this yes, stuff. And my right. grandmother was into this thing called automatic writing, ah. which is basically where you channel yes. something right, and your hand moves. Now, my grandmother, I think she took it a bit with a grain of salt. She used to say, apparently, it was a good party trick. Ah. But she... If, if she wasn't channeling, she had a fabulous imagination. Right. And she wrote um, her, her pencil. Yeah. And I guess it, any pencil she held in her hand, but her, her pencil was called Tommy. And Tommy was sort of the, um, the, the, per, the person who was relaying stories to her. Yeah. And she wrote Tom, in this huge loopy writing. So she wrote on shelf paper. Wow. Because uh-huh. her writing was it, several inches tall, her cursive. Wow. Okay, interesting. And yeah. Tommy told her all kinds of stories, some, sometimes about the lost continent of, and I wish I could remember now, it's not Atlantis. There's a Pacific. There, oh. there was an equivalent Pacific lost continent. And, oh. my, and my grandmother lived in Big Sur, and I think her thought was she was sort of <laughs> right there. Right yes. there at this continent. And then Tommy told her about all kinds of goings-on in the Gobi Desert. The Gobi Desert is always coming up. Oh, wow. And my, my brother, one of my brothers, uh, years ago, when he was a teenager, I think, unrolled all these rolls of shelf paper and actually transcribed the, all the Tommy writings. Wow. I should show them to you sometime. Well, that's very and interesting. Tommy was wow. So, always would begin, um, he, w- he would start talking to Susan. He'd always say, you are a perfect deer. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's very helpful for a for a familiar that lives in you. That's that. In fact, I think we all need a, a, a Tommy in our lives. But go on. <laughs> anyway, so she had this kind of um, a cult or whatever aspect to her. And yeah. when we get to the subject of my stepmother, oh yeah, something like that. Occurs Definitely so. Her, oh yeah. No, I've I've bookmarked that in my mind. <laughs> Before moving on from Val, though, I'm just curious about some of your memories of being a little girl mm-hmm. to your own mother. Oh, and it seems to me it was well, pretty right I on. I absolutely loved her. And yeah. um, she was very easy to live with. And I do, though, remember as a child, because I was born um, when she was older, and most of my friends, that wasn't the case. Their moms were probably 10 years younger than mine. Correct. And I do remember being actively worried as a child that she was going to die. Oh, of course, right. Before I was ready, ready. to let her go. Yeah. And I remember once, um, I guess when I was, uh, I don't know, 10 or something, thinking... Um, well, I'm sure she'll live 30 more years. And I and I thought, okay, I think I can 
if, if that happens, I think, anyways, it turns out my mother lived to be 90. Yes. <laughs> so, I, so she lived till I was 52. But I, right. I did, I was very attached to her. And um, so, what? And, and she was just, you know, she always was a very safe person, comforting, funny. She had a great sense of humor. Yes, yes. Um, pretty rela- amazingly relaxed as far as, well, did she ever lose her temper with the kids? No. Or well, also by this point, a lot of your siblings are quite yeah. more Most grown them, up now. Yeah, at they this were point, yeah, much old, quite a little older. By the time I was in sixth grade, I was the only kid left at home. I mean, they used to come right down from Berkeley on weekends, but I basically she was she and I living together. Uh-huh. But she was pretty relaxed. For instance, <laughs> in nineteen sixty-seven, <laughs> when the Monterey Pop Festival. Oh yes, um, please tell this story. Came was advertised. My yes. friend across the street, who I watch TV with, and right. I said, "Well, we got to go." You know, it was and and for those of you who maybe some younger people, it, it, the Monterey Pop Festival is massively legendary. This happened in our hometown of Monterey Bay, right there at the Monterey Peninsula Fairgrounds, and you're getting. Only just a couple small acts like, oh, I don't know, The Who, Everybody, Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix. Anyone who was anyone was there. Yeah. So my friend Lee and I, we, we mailed off, you know. You mm-hmm. This is your Star Trek friend right here. Yeah. He was, yes. Four tickets. Uh-huh. And we went all three nights. We, we told our mothers, <laughs> we want to go to Monterey Pop. And they said, oh, fine. Whatever. <laughs> they don't know what it is. And uh, so we were barely four teen at the time and it so my mother would drive us to the place and drop us off at like six in the evening and then because my mother went to bed earlier so she she did that run and then my friend's mother who was more of a night owl would come and get us at I don't know 11 or 12 (laughs) we're standing out out you know on the sidewalk of yeah uh, and these like preteen girls just chill. Worry? Yeah, My, they didn't worry. Right, and, and you know the whole thing was totally peaceful. Uh, yeah, thing. we never worried. Lee and I mean, also we, you weren't. Um, I don't think either of you were fiending for drugs. No, you know no, what no, I mean? No, we like, were. like, and and what I'm noticing too is by 1967, even drug counterculture is kind of yeah. new. It's not like, and it was very, you know, it really was very peace, love, and flowers, which was true, the, and. I've seen the documentary that. a couple yeah. of times, and you see some cops hugging some hippies yeah. at that it one. Was, this is not Altamont. This was know, not, yeah, it, yeah. It, it isn't even Woodstock, because it was small. You know? Right, and, no, no, and, very. Uh, and I, we actually ran into people we knew, and it, yeah. was, perfect, it was perfectly safe. I just love that your mom is just like, okay, yeah, because, go uh, to this acid rock concert. No problem, yeah. <laughs> Partly that she was relaxed. Partly that she really didn't know where what we were, what this thing was. But she of was, course. Uh, you know. Now, real quick, you got to tell us about because you saw what is now a famous you you YouTube Jimi Hendrix. It's going to show you his Monterey Pop legendary performance yeah. where he set his guitar on yeah. fire. But what I love when you've told me this story is the culture isn't really aware of like how cool it is to smash your guitar or to light it on fire. This was shocking, right? Well, I thought it was shocking. Yeah, right. I first of all thought just being a child of I don't know. I kept thinking, well, what a waste. How right. can you smash up your instruments, you know? 
You're wasting your equipment. You're supposed to take care of things and make them last. Right, yeah. I also was a little shocked by Jimi Hendrix because it was a, a, a very sexual... Oh, uh, yeah. What he's doing to his guitar. Oh, yeah. So, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, right, right. But it was okay. Well, in the documentary, when he's r- fully into yeah. it, it cuts to someone, which I believe I've joked in times past. Oh, there you are. It's yeah. not, but it's someone of her around that age just looking shocked. <laughs> just not even, because now we go, yeah. But back then, I think it was kind of like, oh, Boy, that well, was, what the make of this? Yeah, was, it was good. You know, it was, I'm all for uh, you know expanding your horizons. And anyway, right. I, but good I for Val for that I, my mom had no problem with it. And also, actually, my mom um, right after my sister got her driver's license. I mean, truly, like two days after, she allowed my sister to take me and my mother's car up to Candlestick Park, and we saw the last Beatles concert that they ever wow. did. So and that so their last live 66. concert. Six. So that had to have been a little bit before Monterey Pop, therefore. Yes, it was. Okay, okay, yep. gotcha. Mm-hmm. And you told me, because I, I remember I was like, you saw the Beatles? And you were like, well, I saw them, <laughs> yeah, but they were kind they of... They were yeah. way out on second base. So you <laughs> had to ta- sort of <laughs> take it for... And also, they—I think they were so done with concerts. They—they they didn't even play for all that long. Right. However, could I you s- hear anything oh, you with all the anything. girls screaming? And there were some girls screaming. Yeah, but even with that, you could still hear them and all that. Yeah, you could hear. Okay. Them. But and, and the main thing was, you know, to say I was there. It, of course, it was, that was good. Anyway, that's so pretty my amazing. My mom was pretty loose about that too. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and I've seen—I know for me, she was very loose with me. Yeah. Certainly. Um. Pretty pretty tolerant about whatever I was watching on TV as well. I think yeah. occasionally she'd be like, oh, are, are, is it okay that you're watching this? And I'd probably lie to her and be like, yeah, it's fine. Mom said it's fine. I can watch it. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> I was always into something a little gory of growing up. But I always remember her being kind of hip and cool, hip. but without like trying too hard. No, my mom was, because she was really forward looking. And she did not dwell on the past, which is probably why she had such a successful later part of her life. Right. And she was very uh, contemporary. She was always interested in um, things that were going on now and meeting new people. She was not at all dwelling in the past. Right. And, and pretty progressive so, yes, for her for the time as well. Like, uh, she yeah. was hip. I mean, I do think that's the word for it. I've she seen was. pictures of her in the 60s, when, mm-hmm. and actually some pictures of the both of you, where you're like a young teenager, yeah. and she's there, and she's just looking kind of cool. Like, yeah. she always, I know one thing, and I don't know when she went short hair, but she went short hair for the rest of yeah. her time yeah. once she did it. But, like, in the 60s, I can't explain it, but there is this there is this hip look to yeah. adult adults yeah. who were cool. Not yeah. like, I'm not talking about, like, teenage. I'm talking about, like, Someone in her forties right. or fifties at this point who who's doing a cool short hair, some funky glasses, some like yeah, she just Plus seemed I will really. Say my mom always well, she was very slim, and she always had a nice figure, you know, and so she looked great in those sort of uh, that era wraparound skirts, right? And she uh, espadrilles. She wore what's the, an espadrille? Those are these. I think they were Spanish uh, canvas shoes with rope soles, like oh, fish. Oh, like, right. Um, and my mom went traveled by herself uh, 
in the six, mid-60s, she started taking an annual trip. She went right. traveling alone. She went to Greece alone in 65, and right. again in 66. She went to um, Morocco. She went to Italy. Um, she did a lot of, you know, and she came, she came, I don't know, so she had sort of picked up on some of that sort of European stuff like espadrilles. and Right. Well, you know, I remember in the 90s driving with you out to the airport to pick her up from returning from Italy. Yeah. And this is a, you know, this is a woman in her, in her 70s at this point who, who is still traveling by herself going to yeah. countries. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Yeah. So anyway, She's, my mom was a, a pretty independent woman, and um, and, and I yeah, and very and you know one too. thing now we'll we'll start to transition to your stepmother because one thing that always intrigued me, well intrigued it's like huh, not every divorce is bloody and messy. It seems to me, unless correct me if I'm wrong, the vibe I've gotten is that when Alistair, your father, who is English, and we'll get to that in a second, and Val, when they split, it was somewhat amicable. It was, it was amicable. Kind of like a, look, we both know yeah. <clears throat> this isn't no, working it out. It was amicable. And they, um, and they, so for a while, my father was living in Santa Barbara, and my mother and the younger three children were in Carmel. And my oldest brother stayed in Santa Barbara because he was almost out of high school and he wanted to finish there. Mm. But anyway, I know my, my family, you know, they, they, we went back and forth 
a lot. There there was no animosity. Gotcha. But right. at some point uh, in about nineteen um, sixty one, I believe I I was pretty young, eight. Uh, my father moved back to England, and sort of reconnected with his teenage sweetheart. Yes. Uh, who had grown up in a neighboring village to his village in, in uh, Gloucestershire. And they, she, her husband had died at some point. And, and she is? And her name is Rachel. Yes. And uh, she becomes my stepmother. Right. Um, and I didn't actually meet her. I, my other siblings who were older uh, met her earlier in England, but I didn't go to England until I was 10. And um, so I met her when I was 10. Right. And they yeah. lived in, uh, actually not in England, they lived in Wales on the North Coast. Uh-huh. And so I spent a summer with them when I was 10. And I, and I was really homesick. I, I really missed my mom. Sure. And Rachel was a totally different kind of... Um, she was kind of glamorous in a way my mother wasn't. Right. And um, right, like Val got hip, but never yeah, really glamorous. She was not glamorous, but Rachel was sort of glamorous, and um, but she was, she really was very different from my mother. But she was totally fascinating, and I think she really she was very warm toward these. Her, her stepchildren. Right. Well, tell me about that first night or two when you, yeah, when you, because well, here you are, you're being yeah, kind of displaced was, from your surroundings. I was, I was really homesick. And, and Rachel had this like bedroom with a four poster bed and a, 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 a makeup table with a mirror and a frilly, you know, skirt around the table. And she wore right. makeup, which my mother didn't. So she was, right. was all kind of um, so different for me. And ah, interesting, was, like a big I, vanity kind a vanity, of like exactly. thing. Okay, yeah. And she sort of wore, you know, a, a a robe with little fluffy, like a boa. I'm totally picturing her with boas. That's <laughs> yeah. that's absolutely what I'm picturing. Pink, yeah, pink slippers with pom poms. <laughs> right. But um, but I was one night. I was crying. I was really homesick, and she yeah. was so sweet. She took me into her big four-poster bed, Aww. and she cuddled me, and, and then I remember waking up in the morning. I think I slept with her a few times, be, uh, yeah. but I, I would watch her at her vanity, and I, would, I just loved watching her do all her powder and, you know, just all this stuff and, and perfume bottles that you squeezed a little... Yeah. bulb you know to atomize the perfume it was just so different wow and right I, I, yeah. and it was, um, so it was like a morning ritual. ritual yeah and and she she definitely my mother was always sort of up early in adam and rachel liked to uh lie in bed and have my father bring her coffee and, <laughs> but, <laughs> oh and she <laughs> you told me she did not do breakfast uh, she didn't she just wanted her coffee right she, she didn't eat until lunch Right, but I guess saying it helps her keep her her, her figure. figure. She was yeah, yes, concerned about her fig her figure her uh, figure figure. Yes, she was, um, and she had an interesting a couple of interesting things. She was quite deaf and had been oh since uh, teen- teenagehood. Aha, uh-huh. and so she was also quite vain. 
So she um, she had hearing aids, but she wore her hair so they were covered, and she uh-huh. also learned how to read lips. She didn't. Uh, right. And I have to say, the final thing is, she was sort of clairvoyant. Right. So sometimes let's I'm, get into this. Sometimes I'm not sure she was reading lips as much as reading your mind. But anyway, she right. could follow the conversation, and she had discovered maybe at the same time she was going deaf. She kind of realized she had something like second sight. She could s- sort maybe not see the future, but she had inklings of she could the see future. the potential she just futures knew stuff that was going to happen. Wow! And I I recall her telling me that it it worried her to start with, but then she just folded that into her. That's just the way she was. And she became actually as a as a career. <laughs> um, she was again mostly a housewife, but uh, she, this place that she lived in North Wales in the summertime was a holiday resort for Brits escaping from Manchester and Liverpool and the all city. The, the city, right? And there were these. You see it in old movies, English movies. There's the the promenade along the beach, and there's the oh yes, fun house and the those weird little striped beach house yes, things. Yeah, yes. yeah, right. And there's you know the arcade and all this. Yeah. And she had she set herself up as a a palm reader and a crystal ball gazer. Wow. And she had a caravan, which in England is the name for just sort of a little trailer, but it, it, it was Madame Rochelle. Rochelle. What, yes. Ah, très and bien. And she was only in business for the summer season. Uh-huh. And she had people who came back every year just to get another reading from her. And so she had her hours, however, you know, a few hours a day she was open, and she would do a palm reading. And then she would uh, take her crystal ball out of this black velvet bag where wow. she lived. And she saw things in the crystal ball. And she would tell you not, I mean, she would tell you, She. I know she read, she used to love to read our palms, the kids. Yes. And she had this um, kind of an ink roller. She would sometimes ink our hands and take full handprints on paper because she oh. liked to over the years she liked to see you know how well, how, we, I, how we presumably changed. she can re, she can look at records yes, of your prints her, and and record. see yeah. the but changes I, I always wow. loved having her read my hand because for one thing she had beautiful hands and really soft and you, she does she did a lot of kind of massaging of the hand and running her fingers down your various lines right and then she would oh tell you, you know, interesting things. And I and I can't really remember what she said to me. Do you remember if her clientele found her to be pretty right on, like, to be like accurate? And, and helpful. I don't think she always said, um, you know, she. I think she had advice for people. Yeah, it sounds like she's not telling you exact events yeah. that you're going to run into, yeah. but more like a directional yes. thing you can follow. Yes. And... I do know one practical thing. <laughs> somebody, somebody in our family, um, and it wasn't that it, it wasn't this was not one of my siblings, but it was somebody in the family mm-hmm. was just talking to her once, and it wasn't like Rachel was doing a reading, but 
this woman was debating whether she should divorce her husband. Mm. And Rachel said, I'd wait if I were you. And so this person did wait, and the husband died quite shortly afterward, and there was life insurance and that kind of thing. Gotcha. Hold on to that because you might make some money off his death soon. There might be another way. Right. Wow. Okay, interesting. And then another story about Rachel. Oh, please keep it going. I love this stuff. Okay, so I'm now grown up and I'm Mm -hmm. married to your father. And we discovered that I was pregnant in England. Correct. Actually, in staying at Wales. 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 So technically, my first conscious moment in existence was Wales. (laughs) Well, you weren't. I mean, maybe you were. I mean, but I'm just saying, but but life, my life began in Wales. I was pregnant, (laughs) and we went down to. Boots the chemist, which is oh you know, yes, the basically the Long's drugs or the or the CVS yes, of of England little shops, and we yes. bought a test, and so I and it was positive, and I remember coming down the next day to Rachel, and I said, you know, I'm um, I'm pregnant, and she said, oh, I knew that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you have to wonder, was that a poker yeah. face or was no, that an actual? I, I you 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 felt like. When she told you, did you get the sense that she was like, welcome? I I think, yeah. yeah. Now you know what I know. Now you know what I know. Amazing. Wow. (laughs) Now, Mom, when you... Did you ever feel any threat before you got to know her? Mm -hmm. Did you ever feel like, who's this new woman my dad's with? No. And, you know, part of it is because uh, I think if I had been... My parents had been divorced since I was three. So you I didn't really I have... I remember living with both of them. You never parents. really had a formative we, uh, never, uh, imprint of, like, parental the, structure. Yeah. You know, the, where, where they lived in the same house. No, I think I was still really happy that my father had found someone, and I really just... Loved her from the moment I met her. Were you ever a bit concerned about Alistair, your father, maybe being a bit lonely and depressed? Oh, and yes. so this, so it's like, he, oh, thank God, Dad found a lady. Like, well, and right, depressed. yeah. And so I think that you know, we we um, we were very happy when he found her. Now, now talk about prescient moments. Let's talk about that great photo that you have in your hallway of young Alistair and young Rachel. Is before they oh, will yes. ever be an yeah. item. And she is. Describe describe the photo. It's pretty great. So this is a photo that dates from a, uh, sometime in 1920-something uh, uh-huh. of my, my father's family in this Cotswold village. And they are, my father already knows Rachel, who lives nearby. And there's sort of a family gathering, and... Um, my father's looking kind of dorky, <laughs> maybe <laughs> kind of like me, seventeen yeah. or eighteen <clears throat> or something. Uh-huh. And there's this very cute girl with one of those cloche hats, you know, in the twenties. Very of its time, yes. And she's really eyeing my <laughs> she dad. Is, she's she is doing the <laughs> "Who are you?" like stare. Yeah. Now, what's so funny isn't there isn't there another guy? Looking at her all along. I, so. <laughs> I think she had a lot of suitors. That Rachel did. She was, as I say, she wasn't really beautiful, but boy, she had, uh, you know, 
men were interested in her. Shoot, sounds like she had literal yeah. attraction, like like she a did. magnetism. She had attraction. And one of the things, she was always kind of skint, which is in England meaning broke, ah. which partly, so she did her palm reading and all, but she also ran a kind of a, a, a pseudo boarding house. She took in a couple of boarders. This uh-huh. is even when she and my father were married. It was a huge old Victorian house that she had that she'd inherited from her father father and um she always kind of had these stray men and they were damaged i mean they weren't anyone who who she would be romantically involved with but they loved her Uh, and partly because she was a very she was a good nurturer sure but you know they she had there was i remember there was one named maxwell and there's one named charles they were there when i was there that summer oh and she you know she gave them a room and she fed them and they really would have been lost. Thanks a lot, Rachel. <laughs> Good to see you again, Rachel. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> anyway, she always had her lights on for for men. I think. Oh yeah, <laughs> and and I and obviously but Val she did, and my mother yeah got along very well. Very well, right? I mean, wouldn't wouldn't she mother, and her children would come out and yes, visit? Yes, and I do believe when my mother and father first got married in 1938, they lived in England for. Uh, a year until 39 when it seemed like war was imminent and it would be maybe a good time to come back to California. Um, I think my mother and Rachel met at that time when Rachel, she had her, she was married, she had children already. Mm -hmm. And um, so they had met. And then after um, my father remarried, after a few years, um, they left. They moved from North Wales to to California, and my mother got along fine with my stepmother. Matter of fact, one of her trips to Greece, my I was whatever fifteen, and my father and my stepmother came up from Santa Barbara, and they lived in our house, and you know took care of me for a month while my mother was away. Wow! Yeah, and. After um, my father died, my mother and stepmother continued to be close. I mean, at that point, my stepmother was back in Wales. Right. And when my mother would go to the British Isles periodically, and she always stayed with Rachel. So they, just they were amazing. And, and and again, they didn't dwell on though they were married to the same man or something. They were both interested again in kind of occult interesting things right um, so well they, and speaking of uh, you know val i'm so envious she got she went to alan watts lectures yes. we're not talking about listening to something she no, was no, there to see the man speak in in i want to say eslin right i'm seeing as you know my mom didn't my mom lived fairly near eslin it was not yeah she did see him and Joseph Campbell and all the people you're interested oh, in. My Alex. heroes. And she got, you know, and my, I know you Ram have Das. This, oh, <laughs> you know, I, I know we both talk about this often where it's like, I reached a new interest and if only Val were still yeah, here, because I'd love to run it by I her. I know you, you, you just missed. Yeah. Um, I'm, I, I, you weren't quite at. Alan Watts literally entered my life when I turned 30, yeah. 3 zero. Uh, it was That was officially uh, Alan Wattsville. And as I'm getting into yeah. him, I'm like, why do I feel like Val's right next to me yeah, while well, I talk she, about this? She was 
And sure enough, then I ran it by you, and you're like, oh, well, you know, she she yeah. went. So what I like to imagine, because most of his recordings are from Esalen, mm-hmm. I like to imagine that she's she she's there. at there. She's in one of those recordings. She might very well have been. Definitely yeah. not one of these, because you always hear also people going, <laughs> in the background and all that. Yeah, but. my mom was. Oh, and one of the reasons why she went to the British Isles several times is because she went to Findhorn, which if, What's Findhorn? Well, it's a, it was a kind of a New Age community uh, on the northeast coast of Scotland. It, I mean, it sounds like a Lord of the Rings location yeah. right there, but yeah. Well, sort of. Anyway, it, yeah. was, it would have been the same kind of ilk with right. all these people we're talking about. Well, you know what's interesting about is, is interest. Mm-hmm. The fact that these are two women who are not dwelling on comparing no, no, no. and despairing on who had no, a better time interests. with this man. Yeah. Like... They uh, they passed the Bechdel test, as we call it these days. Like, they weren't talking about a man. They were two women in this scene yeah. are talking about something larger than yes. the <laughs> immediate men enough, in their lives. The things that though they, they in, talked about together and really were interested in were, were things that my father was not interested in at all. My father was just a Perfect. total sort of intellectual. Well, he was interested in poetry. Uh, but I don't. He tells like he wasn't he, quite a new age. He ager. wasn't really new age. Yeah, he was probably more a latent Catholic. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can't can't quite ditch the Lord for this uh, free thinking. But yeah, or he can't quite commit to commit to it. But he's sure, sort of pulled right. that way. I think so. Well, it's very fascinating to see how sometimes, um, new f- an extended step family mm-hmm. really fits. But the whole big family picture. Yeah, no, it was really interesting. And actually, uh, um, I am a stepmother, too. Yes, and, you are. Um, I f- and she's just as I much your daughter like now. Like, right? I have a really good relationship with my stepdaughter. Um, and uh, I also have a good relationship with her mother, you know. That is and true, does, yes. it you know, make it easier on the children if that's the situation. So. And it's true. I've always observed you uh-huh. uh, with Maya's mom. You two yeah. just we're get on and, and talk yeah, about. Sure. And again, we're not talking about so life with this man, no, no, right? No, no we're, we're talking sure. about yeah. life. If anything, we're talking about what our kids are up to. You know, yeah. Like, so, yeah. Interest. So, um, yeah. So, and what uh, the other thing that kind of in, it, it feels like we're not carrying a lot of shame, either Rachel or Val. Seems to me that we're not, they didn't seem to have life-limiting baggage, it seems like. No, I know they, I mean, I'm they sure had they had their they baggage. Had but of baggage. My mom certainly had some um, sort of anxiety, you know, the, the family The good old anxiety. Overly and, worrying, yes. A few f- isms and phobias. But it really didn't uh, curtail her life. Or, or she, you know, the fact that she went out and traveled alone in the mid '60s, wasn't common for a woman to do. So I really sure. think my mom had some amazing, adventurous spirit and courage. That even though she may have been having, you know, anxieties or depressions in other ways, somehow travel really um, just was a yeah, just really an, emp- an empowering thing for her. Right. Yeah, yeah. No, I re- and I remember her telling me about yeah. her journeys. She loved it. She would say, 
you know, people just roll their eyes. They can't believe she, I love, and this was when she was, I would say in her prime, I'd say her 50s and her 60s were her prime for travel. She said, I love if I'm somewhere like Greece or Italy, waking up in some little pension or little hotel, not knowing where I'm going to be sleeping the next night. Wow. There you go. I know for some people that's Which way too on. Are you kidding? I want the tour and I want to know just where I'm going to be. And, right. And, um, I mean, that's pretty loose. I think it's even looser than I. This was looser be. than your standards for yeah, travel. I think so. Yeah. So wow. but she said that she had a real sense of adventure when she was uh, that age. And she always traveled really light, you know, just a. I, not exactly a backpack, but just a, something you could easily carry because she didn't want to be weighed down you know you right to be able to, and she never rented a she always took local bus or so in or greece i think she, who knows probably a horse and cart from time to time yeah <laughs> i it, it also gosh whenever i hear about traveling mm-hmm. in the mid 20th century yeah. it just sounds perfect it was pretty ideal i even, and and less hassle traveling too I, mean, I, I was in england in 63 i that was that summer uh, which I wish I could do that same trip that we're because we went all over the place now. Uh, I was I would have appreciated it more now. Mm. But I did go back in '68 when I was 15 with a student group, but we went to kind of hit all the European highlights in a month. Um, you know, and I'm so glad I saw all this stuff when it was so easy to see. I mean, when once you got there, you know, you, it wasn't crowded. Right. I know. That's the huge, part that just, you know, like, so you could yes. just. Um, and you're not nauseated by your fellow Americans who are loudly these, pointing at things. Endless yeah. lines. I've, I right. hear now you have to, to see the Eiffel Tower, or at least pre-pandemic. You had to make a reservation like six months ahead. You know, yeah. and so we just, anyway, I sort of feel like, okay, good. I, you know, I've seen all these, the the things that you have to see. And now, like when Michael and I go to France, we never go anywhere near a tourist attraction. Yeah, you know, you just, no. You just stick to the, to yeah. the unbeaten track. Absolutely. And, um, it's, anyway, it's kind of how you have to do it now. And although maybe now, maybe traveling now is the time to go. Considering because not everyone's going to do it at the moment. Up, That's up true. Yet. We, you and That's I better make, you, we better, yeah, yeah. By you, why you're renewing your <laughs> <Yeah>. passport. <laughs> yes, folks. Currently right now, we are renewing my passport, which you all should do yourselves. If you, yes. and do, get on that now. I, uh, I'm because, saying, I'm, re- I'm telling you, you should, because apparently it takes four months to get one. So if, if it's expiring anytime soon, renew your passport now. <laughs> it's it's cool too because it also shows that both Val and Rachel they sound like they were both pretty well traveled yes, as well. Pretty or, well, or at least, or let's put it this way: at least you're switching up your environment every few yes. years. Uh, Rachel actually uh, something to do with her husband, her first husband. They lived in Germany. I think maybe one or two of her kids might have been born there. Uh-huh. They did live in Germany for a while. Oh, interesting. And yeah, of course, uh, and. F- France, she knew French, but that's pretty much, if you go to school in England, you pretty well, French is the language you learn, so. I feel like, because I know, I mean, I grew up 
with a very solid foundation mm-hmm. with Val. I only met Rachel once. Yes. It was admittedly towards the end of her, her life. and She was pretty gaga. She was a little gaga. She didn't quite, I, I just remember, and it was this very, very, when you're a boy and your voice hasn't dropped yet and not one part of your body's dropped yet, you, 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 it's very embarrassing to have a nice little high-pitched voice and maybe also, who knows what she's seeing out of her eyes at this point, but she, I just remember all she kept, because I'm, I'm hearing these stories about this fortune teller, and yeah. you kind of warned me, you were like, she's not exactly fortune telling these days. Yeah. She's kind of, you know. Kind of lost and by the way, that's, that's not that she was a fortune teller, yeah. she was a seer. She's not exactly, you know, yeah. so she, all I know is she kept looking at me and she kept saying, and who's she? Yeah. Who's she? I do believe she was pretty blind. Yeah, and I and, and also you know, and she also didn't know who I was, and I had been a, true. A, you know a very uh, you know pretty close to her from my from ten years old on. Right. So she she yeah. wasn't. Yeah, you. But I mean, also, and it's hey, I'm glad though, and I do actually yeah. remember, and I got to say this too, I do remember even then getting this sort of glamor- glamorous. A magic glamour vibe from her, she, even she at that point. Was. Yes, she did have a glamour to her. She had that That's going on, and it just—it seems to me that you were very well influenced by mm-hmm. both of these ladies. Yeah. And certainly, I know that because I did know Val so well. I see Val's inheritance, yeah. her living yeah. inheritance in well, you. She was and, my mom was a really good uh, role model in the sense to you know what's important in life uh, and to enjoy life and to have a sense of humor because that's the big one is really just <laughs> terrible the, if you stop to think about it. <laughs> last time we did this last year, we, we concluded with the sort of what would you give advice to new mothers? And I guess one thing that, you know, I think we kind of answered that question last time, but I, to reiterate this time around, it does seem to me that having a sense of humor yeah. is really one of your greatest yeah. allies, not only as just a human on this planet, but like as a, as a parent. As a parent and speaking now, from my perspective, for aging. Aha, yes. Because it is, you know, pretty darn funny, a lot of what Well, let's, ta- let's talk a little bit about <laughs> when the mother, because, you know, it's interesting, there's phases of the mother. Yeah. You're the mother who will be young enough to have children, yeah. and then you're then you become the the you know the 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 what is it the maiden matron crone. I uh, I feel bad about throwing that last part. That sounds so like. But well, you guys have got to own the word crone. Crone. Well, and also crone. Yeah. How about a grand sorceress? That Something sounds pretty like great that. to me. Yeah. You know. But um. But yes, let's talk just a little bit about that. Just right there. Just sort of when when the mother. The grace, the humor. What is uh-huh. some of the humor that you're finding in, as you get oh, a little bit older now? Uh, let's see. Um, oh, I don't know. You know, looking for my glasses and they're <laughs> on top of my head. Right. <laughs> and laughing about that. And yeah. laughing about it and not worrying that I'm actually losing my mind. I think it's just overload of the brain. You know, it's yeah. just, the modern age is just way too much coming in yeah we, i was telling you yesterday i don't think that we're really even uh, humans aren't even aren't evolved for s- technology really as far as evolution is concerned no i mean like driving a car at 80 miles an hour is you know well as you you said it best yesterday take any of those macho you know 
sword wielding knights back in the day. Put them in the passenger seat of a car today and let's see them freak out. Right. So I think we aren't really equipped for all that. So I think to try, you know, and, and everything is just changing all the time. I mean, you can't even get used to, you know, the interface on your bank's website without them changing it. And you've got to, so right. I think we have just so much going on. To, we have to remember the stupid stuff we have to remember that, that True. no wonder you can't find your glasses sometime, even when they're right on top of your head. And it, maybe it's maybe a, too much of your brain is occupied with just yeah. these details of modern life. So, but it is funny getting old. I mean, even when I like yesterday, I had such a bad back, and I was you know, every time I stood up, I was sort of groaning, and then I'd listen to myself. And, and, and what did Sophia Loren oh, I say? Said, yeah, <laughs> Sophia Loren says, even when you feel, you know, when you get old, don't sub, don't succumb to the to the temptation of groaning when you get up. Just, <laughs> right. it still Which, hurts, but don't groan. You just have to. I'm doing that too much already at 30. <laughs> I'm like, oh, God. You know, it's like, oh, come on now. Yeah. So I, I do admire uh, old people who are, you know, yeah. Still laughing. And I, you know, I remember Val constantly bumping her head into yeah. things and then oh, laughing yes. it off and, and yeah. slamming her shin into Ooh. something. And yeah. yeah, yeah, she always had some <laughs> marks up and down her shins and she would all, and I remember one of them, the, the, my favorite expletive of Val's was, oh, poo. Oh, poo. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I guess she did say that. Or balderdash or Ball- something. <laughs> I remember when I was a kid, I thought it was her, her real expletive, which I thought was kind of shocking. She she say, "Damnation!" Oh wow! So yes, oh mom's really mad at this point. Damnation! It was never us. It was because of you know, she slammed her finger in the door or something. Or- right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Well, Mama, it's it's always a pleasure having you here, and I gotta say, I feel the the blessing of these ladies because they positively affected you. And I feel like they gave you a solid foundation to not only be a great flexible and dynamic human being, but also to put that into your motherhood. Yes, it's true. And I, and, and I say also they were uh, good examples for, um, to me for my, for being a mother and also for, now, or yeah. not, maybe not quite yet, but soon, being an old lady. Right. <laughs> well, and maybe, shall we say, regardless of age, just would, yeah. would you say that they were a great because woman's were influence good, to you? you. Know, their whole lives, they were, right. they were great. And they always seemed to be fulfilled and, fulfilled and happy uh, and not dwelling on impossible things or things that you can't change or that are so far back. Right, which I got to say, I see you doing pretty admirably. And I got a lot to learn from you because I'm afraid I I still am a little too attached to past things. But I mean, I'm interested in family history, but that's more from a just knowledge thing. I really have do drop a lot of stuff from my own history. That Sure, things that may not have gone well, but why dwell on it kind of thing. Yeah, you can do about it now. Well, I, you know, Mom, I'm, I have a funny phrase, <clears throat> which I say all the time these days. I'm the last kid to learn, but I do learn. Yeah. And I feel like I'm a little bit of a tardy student on some things in life. 
and that's whatever we'll progress as quickly or as slowly as whatever is there. But I feel like I am learning more and more from you. I know certainly that your own relationship to me has become less worried. It might help the fact that I'm now yeah. looking at 40 in the next few years. So it's kind of, you know, yeah. different, different child now in your life, okay. but just in general, I've seen you worry less as a whole about things. Well, I think the old, that is, I think that is a benefit of aging. Yeah. And I'm kind of, I, I hope I can reduce my worry as mm-hmm. I get older. Sometimes I feel like I'll, I'm going to have a similar story to Val. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to make it sound like it was some sob story, but I've, I want to believe that. <laughs> Wait till I'm 45, folks. I might be finally shedding a few things and going, ah, whatever, let's, this, let's become hip and cool and just, and just kind of accept life. And, but I do, I do feel like I'm a man who has had a very lucky inheritance of strong female support mm-hmm. from you, from Val, from yeah. Cynthia, by proxy, Actually, Rachel. To say all my, in my fam, in my sort of that kind of heritage, it's all women. Yeah. It's two grandmothers, two mothers, Cynthia. My father was sort of incidental in my life because I, I mean, I loved him, but I didn't yeah. see, I didn't see him very often. Um, not so, not a cold man, not an unloving man, but still distant well, no, and he, not, well, I, uh, well maybe just because of loving, location. He was distant because he lived in, <laughs> he lived in England. England. Right, right. <laughs> um, True. And then I didn't have, because my mother's father, I never had one grandfather and my other grandfather um, died when I was quite young. I was eight. eight. So, mm-hmm. it, but I did have these strong grandmothers and uh, my my mother and my stepmother and... So I, I feel like I've, I've had a lot of female influence too. <laughs> it's it I I you know the the great Inca Rose who does the music yes, for this program yes. and one of my one of our you know yeah. she's family to us yeah. you know she's wonderful she always reminds me and likes to say that you know women mothers mm-hmm. are the portals mm-hmm. to all life. So mom, thanks for beaming me into yeah. this existence. And I do have to say something. Just on, if we can get into current events. Yes. I really feel for mothers in Ukraine. Yeah. And just or women in war, women. What, what they have to bear because they're still <laughs> bearing yeah. children. Right. And you know. Well, weren't you I telling mean, me that you had just learned that biology is just? I mean, it, it, I'm. Can you imagine being well, of course, and with children, right? Carrying and children. You know what's funny because I I told you the other day I saw this clip where this lady, this Ukraine mm-hmm. Ukrainian mm-hmm. woman, say, "No, I'm. Not, they they told us to 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 leave. I'm not gonna. Yeah. I'm not gonna leave all the men just stay here and fight. I'm gonna join the front lines." And when I told you, you you had this mixed look, which I kind of understood in the moment. You had some admiration for her. And there was also a little bit of, uh, from what I could tell, almost like a bit of, um, not sadness, but like a kind of compassion for her. Well, yes. Because that's... But I also think possibly, possibly she didn't have children. I just think... Oh, well, died, maybe so. You know, yeah, yeah. Had children, especially little ones. I that's think that would, really rough. I think that would be to... 
to try to get them to safety. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I do think, uh, anyway, on Mother's Day, I, I send out my, my heart goes out to, and it's not just in Ukraine, all over the world, all over the world, the, you know, in war zones, yeah. I think, uh, women and children are very vulnerable. You know, when you mentioned that, I, I, I try to be as compassionate as I can as, as a man who sometimes is because of my biology and because of the society we live in, I'm excused from a lot of sometimes mm-hmm. these, these questions to think about, or indeed these experiences. But I, I'm, I'm sitting here with a deep appreciation mm-hmm. of what you're saying that like, yeah, it's look, it's already vulnerable enough to have children on this mm-hmm. planet. And then if danger is all around, and mm-hmm. it seems to me that in some ways it's never been per capita safe mm-hmm. to have children. It's never been a no. safe world necessarily no. ever to have kids, even though it's the most natural thing. Right, right. But it, I, I don't know. I agree with you. Let, I'm right there with you, Mom. I'm going to send out today on Mother's Day a good well-wish and deep gratitude all the ladies who are to the grandmothers to the mothers and the stepmothers and to the mothers who don't have literal children but have been shepherding lots of kids through it all well any other thoughts on your end mom just anything we forgot about val or rachel that some little last story that comes to mind i know there's always something one forgets but but i think we've i think we've Done them proud. I think so, too. <laughs> so. I think so, too. To Rachel, to Val, to Cynthia, to Susan, and to all amazing ladies. And mom, just to you personally, because you are the, the, those are the great spiritual ladies. Now the actual flesh and bone lady right in front of me. Thank you, mom. Truly. And well, there you go, folks. Another Mother's Day. I hope you are having a good time. And you know, again, I always I always put this out there, folks, because it's easy to be like, go out and make sure you tell your mom you love her. Hey, some of you might not have a good connection with your with your mom. And I have full respect for that. I just hope that the goddess, the spirit of the goddess, may she be looking out for you and soothing you on this day. In the mean, in between, thank you for your time. Thank you for your rhyme. In the Words of Alex Rogers is a podcast orbiting the mothership of Wild 7 Studios. Music by Inca Rose. Keep your ears open for storyscapes, Simpin' After Dark, and other audio goodies from Wild 7. And keep your eyes open for its first feature-length film, Debbie and the Devil.